Welcome to the South Canaan Valley Church of Christ podcast. Please enjoy the following study. Some of y'all um, know that I work in admissions at the University of Oklahoma. Some of you didn't know that. Now you do. Um, so in admissions, at in U.S. higher education for many years, I don't know when they started talking about this, but one thing that we discuss is as students in high school especially are looking to choose a college or university, um, you will hear high school counselors who work with students as they apply to colleges, as well as those who work in the admissions field on the college and university side talk about this thing about uh, of right fit. So again, I don't know when that started, but it's something that in our field we talk about a lot. A lot. And so the idea of right fit is to make sure that as the student is looking what college or university that they might attend if they decide to do so, finding a place that makes sense for them. Right? For some students, that may be um, a two-year community college. For some students, that may be a small um, four-year private university. For some people, what they're looking for is a, a big public university experience. Some students um, want to be close to home. Some students want to go away and be a little farther away. And, and, and there's all of these variables that are part of someone who may be choosing a college or university, but we talk about it like you've got to find the right fit. Now, I have to uh, confess to you that years ago, I thought that was a little bit cheesy and hokey. Like, I don't know that there is such a thing as right fit. And I'm not saying it's the end-all, be-all, but there is something to this because sometimes students swing and miss. They pick a place and then they get there and they go, oof, this is not for me. I don't feel right here. It doesn't feel like home. I don't belong. And they don't retain and graduate. These are higher education terms, right? So they don't stay. They decide to leave because it wasn't the right fit. It didn't just—it didn't feel right when they got there. And so um, I want you to know that we're not here to talk about admissions this morning. Um, but higher education has been talking about this for several years. God thought of this a long time before American higher education existed, and it was called making sure that there was a body for Christians to be a part of the church, the kingdom, to make sure that people found their place in not only the church universal, so to be added to the Lord's church, but then very specifically to plug in, to find a place to belong, to use your talents and abilities and your gifts in a place so that it is, if you'll allow me the term, a right fit. So I want to be careful that no one thinks that what I'm saying is you ought to just kind of shop around, and if you don't like it, then, you know, skip it, go someplace else. That's not what God has in mind for you. God has in mind for you as part of the church to plug into a local church body and to use your gifts, your talents, your abilities to make sure that you are furthering the mission of the gospel, the mission of the church, and to make sure that you grow and learn. So these are the things that I want to talk about. And we read out of Romans chapter 12, um, verses 1 through 8. I want to actually go back to Romans chapter 12 and look specifically in verses 3 through 8, which will be our primary text. Mark, I'm sorry that I interrupted you, but I wanted to make sure that you were mic'd up 
as you read, um, what an encouragement to see such a young brother who's reading from God's word for us. And so um, thank you for doing that. In Romans chapter 12, verse 3, we'll have these slides up in a minute, maybe. But in the meantime, you have a Bible, right? Let's read together. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dwelt, dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And so as we look at this passage and we think of finding your place within the local church body, I want to start with a foundational principle that we see in this passage and others. In verse 6, it says, having then gifts differing. Okay, that's just saying having a variety of abilities. The different members of the body have these different gifts. But I want you to understand very clearly that this starts with gifts. And this presupposes that you have them. Okay, this is part of the deal. This is how this works. And so I want to define some terms. When we're talking about gifts this morning and we're looking about um our abilities and our talents. I'm going to talk in particular a lot about our abilities. Um, but what we are not talking about is miraculous gifts that were given directly to the apostles. We see that in, in New Testament scripture. I'm not talking about the miraculous gifts that were imparted to first century Christians by the laying on of the apostles' hands. There's a time and a place that we could have that conversation. What I'm talking about is gifts that you and I have today. Abilities, if you will. Gifts are exactly what you think they are. So if we look at this Greek word that is um, translated as gifts, it's a divine gratuity, a free gift. They're gifts. So um, look, kids... You may be amazing individuals, the cream of the crop, top-notch, wonderful human beings, but you didn't earn those birthday gifts, right? Maybe you didn't even deserve them, actually. They're gifts. So when we think of the idea of gifts, that's what we're talking about here, something that's given that wasn't earned or deserved in this particular context. They're gifts. So brothers and sisters in Christ... In the exact same way, the abilities you have, they're gifts given to you from God. They were not earned. They were not deserved. They may stem from some natural talent, but let's give God the glory by calling to mind what these truly are. They're gifts. Okay? So every Christian has gifts. I think that's important that we recognize as we launch into this study of God's word together. 
We also see this reiterated in other passages in Scripture. I just want to point you to two. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. As each one of you has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Romans 12, chapter, uh, Romans 12, verse 6, having gifts differing. We could go on about this. So I pray that we start at the same spot. God has given you gifts. What on earth to do with them? What do we do now? And I want to look at three things. The first thing I want to look at as it relates to the gifts that God has given you, your abilities, if you will, I want you to consider them. Evaluate this in your own life. Let's go back to verse 3 of our passage in Romans chapter 12. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So I will admit, typically when I read this verse, the very first thing that comes to mind, the thing that I focus on, is how I'm not supposed to elevate, elevate myself and look down on others, right? That's what it says, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Yes, amen, okay? But the passage doesn't stop there. There's more that God has to say through us, to us through the Holy Spirit. I think a careful examination of this passage seems to make it clear to me that there is something we are to do. We are to think, okay? It says not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think soberly. So I see this as a command. I see this as you're being told that you need to be thinking seriously, soberly. Careful judgment maybe was what we read if that was in the ESV this morning. Not turn your brain off. That's not what this passage is saying. You're supposed to be thinking. So don't think your big stuff, okay, in my words, but do think about yourself carefully with sober judgment. So in the context of this passage, as we read Romans chapter 12, you'll roll back up to verses 1 and 2, and you can probably quote him. Remember what the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to say? You're a living sacrifice. That's what your life is supposed to be before God as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, a living sacrifice. And you're not supposed to think like the world, but your mind should be different and transformed where you think spiritually. And then as we go on in this passage, he immediately from verse 3 starts talking about us as a body. So these are the things surrounding where he says, think soberly. I want to ask you, do you have faith? God Has God revealed himself to you through his word and through creation and through his providence and through his spirit and so much more? Do you trust him? Do you believe in him? I think you do. I think you do. God has dealt to each of us a measure of faith. God has distributed faith to you, and God has distributed gifts. It wasn't like on gifts day, God somehow forgot you, or he skipped over you. Okay, there's no gifts day, right? I just made that up. But if there was such a thing, it wasn't like you were in line, or you, you, like you were in the bathroom when it was time for that to happen, and you missed it. That's not how this works. God gave you gifts, and he's given you faith. And so some people say, I can't do anything. I have no gifts. 
And I would argue that most people who take this position use that as an excuse because that's absolutely not the reality. So think. That's what I want you to see in this passage as we think of this idea of evaluation, um, self-reflection, looking internally, evaluating yourself, taking stock, taking inventory. It's about digging deep. And what we see here in this passage is you ought to use your brain. And when you use your brain and you're doing this for the glory of God, trying to find your place in the local body and what are my gifts and my abilities and what can I do? This is about prayer. This isn't just about some mental exercise, but it's engaging every single part of who you are in the exploration of, the evaluation of, and then ultimately in the finding of what's your place? What can you do? What do you bring to the table? How can you help? What ability has God given you? You might start thinking like this. What kinds of things are you good at? What kinds of things do you like doing? And I'm not suggesting that you should stop there, but that's a great place to start if you've never ever thought about this at all. What abilities do you have? And this message is not for those who are brand new to the Lord's church or just for those who are brand new to maybe this local church body in this place. This message is for all of us at any stage. If you've been in the Lord's church for 50, 60 years, if you've been a part of this local body for 50 or 60 years or whatever it might be, this is a message for you. Are you thinking soberly? What is it that I can do to help be part of the church? So this onus is on you. You need to be thinking soberly with sober judgment. But um, God also had a plan for helping you in this regard. I want to jump to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. And he, God himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So as you think, as you consider your own talents and abilities, you have a responsibility in this. But God tells us part of why he created the church in the local church body and local leadership, elders, pastors and teachers, as it talks about here in this passage, is so that they can help you as you think through this, as you evaluate yourself. Because their responsibility, our responsibility as elders, is for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. So it makes sense that we think some about this. Not only you individually, us individually, and us together. So that's the evaluation process as we think, as we engage our brain and every part of our being, our, our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength to decide what can I do? Where can I plug in? How can I help? How can I build up the body of Christ? So you have to do the hard work of thinking seriously about the gifts God has given to you. And it takes almost no thinking to come up with your, I can't do that list. 
right? By default, we immediately step back and like, oh, I can't do that. Oh, I can't do that. Like, I don't even have to think about that. I just start rattling those things off because that's super simple. But the hard work is this. You have to engage your brain to truly create your I can list. God has given me gifts. What am I going to do? The second thing we'd like to notice from the passage is about coordination of our gifts. Where do my gifts fit, if you will? So in Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5, let's continue on in our passage. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. What is this telling us? Okay, It's telling us that each of us have um, different gifts. Not all have the same function. In verse 6, we've read it, talked about it before. We're going to talk about it in a second again. We have gifts that are differing, various kinds of abilities that we have. But, but what? What about that? This is talking in the context of the body. Yes, we have many members, and all the members don't necessarily have the same gifts and abilities, the same functions, but... We are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So it's not about evaluating your gifts and examining what your abilities are and what you want to do and what you'd like to do and where you'd like to go. It has to be reined in and it has to be taken in consideration with the coordination of the body, not out on your own. So, so now that we've examined, we've deeply thought about our abilities, the right question is where do my gifts fit in? The body. But before we dive any more into that, I just want at the highest level to say something that's very important. Let me tell you one body part that you are not and you cannot ever be. You are not the head. Because the head of the church is Christ. Okay? So let's all reflect on that. And let's never lose sight of it. I am not the head. The elders are not the head. You are not the head. No matter who you are, wherever you are, online, anywhere in the universe, right now, listening to this message, Jesus is the head of the church. That's what scripture teaches us over and over. And I don't believe that any of us are confused about that. But let me tell you, sometimes when I'm trying to use my gifts and abilities and I'm trying to think about it, sometimes it's a battle not to think of myself more highly than I ought to think. And I forget to think soberly. And so what I do is I overstep. I put myself in a place that is not for me. It's for Jesus. Jesus is the head of the church. So I don't have to belabor that point, but I think it's important for us to discuss. But I don't see anything in a Romans text that tells us that any other body parts are off limits. Okay, the head is Christ. That's not you. That's not me. But what about the rest? What other part? What other members? What abilities do you have? Regardless, they have to fit within the body. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 14, this is what Scripture tells us. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing... Where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. 
God has a plan. Are you following it? And you can go, well, I'm not that. I'm not this. I can't do this. I can't do that. You can do that all day long. Stop. And say, what can I do? And with the gifts that God has given me, how do I make that fit within, especially in the context of what we're trying to talk about this morning, in this local body, in this church body, in this place, or wherever you go, wherever you spend your time in the local church body? See, there are lots of opportunities. Not all members have the same functions. We can think about all kinds of different body parts. And they all do different things. But they each are individually members of one another. They have to coordinate. They have to work together to make the entire body work, not just their individual function. Not all the members have the same functions, but there are so many needs. Open your eyes. That's one of your body parts, right? Listen. That's one of your body parts. There are so many needs around us in the local body. But in our world, all around us, every day, in our families, every day, you've got to coordinate. You have to find your place, but you have to find your place within the body, not out on your own. So what do I mean by that? I want to think about the church in Corinth very quickly as we talk about this principle of coordination. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18, where Scripture says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. So the setting in the church in Corinth is there were people that had miraculous gifts. Okay, So the ones that I said we aren't talking about today because we don't have those, that laying on of hands by the apostles, there were folks in the first century, in the church at Corinth, that had miraculous gifts to do all kinds of things. And they could stand up in front of the audience in Corinth, and they could reel off in Japanese 10,000 words. I, I, I mean, I, I guess they could have, it was Japanese, I don't know if they could or not, but, but in tongues, in a foreign language that the, the Corinthians wouldn't have recognized or been able to understand, someone may have had the miraculous gift or ability to do that. And just to go on and on and on and on and on and on for 50 minutes, an hour, I don't know. They could just keep spewing Japanese, and it didn't help anybody a lick. Not at all. And the Apostle Paul who has miraculous gifts given to him by God, said, you know what? I'd rather speak five words. Five words that people understood, that instructed them, that helped them, than 10,000 in a tongue. So you can speak 10,000 words of Japanese, way to go. Did it help anybody? No. And in the first century church, in Corinth, at least, there were these people that were all kinds of thought they were so cool because they could do all of these things, and it didn't help anybody. So you got to reel it in. you got to coordinate. you got to find your fit. It has to fit within the body. Look what we see here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 12. If you back up in that same passage, even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be done 
Let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. So you see what the, the teaching was back then to those who had all kinds of abilities and you all have all kinds of gifts and abilities. You need to make sure that they fit within the body and that you're not just out doing your own thing because you think it's cool. That ain't cool. It's not okay. It's not how God set up the church. So it has to be part of this. Maybe you have the ability to fill in the blank. I don't know what that is. Is that to build up the church or is it to show off? Is that ability there to help others? Or is that ability there so you help others take notice of you? Don't go rogue. Don't strike out on your own. Don't pretend like you live on some deserted island and you're the only one around whom the universe travels and the sun revolves around. You're one member of a body. And I'm not downplaying your importance. I'm just trying to help make sure that we all reel it in. We keep it within the body. What helps? You may fill a role that no one else can, but it has to be for the good of the whole, for the church. You have to consider this fit within the body. And like we said, if you need help with that, let us. Whatever your role in the body may be, please be certain that you don't stick out like a sore thumb. The third thing we'd like to consider from Romans chapter 12 is participation. In this passage, we saw um, what the Holy Spirit tells us there in verse 6, having the gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Okay? Let us use them. So you understand your abilities because you've thought about it, you've prayed about it, you've talked with your elders, you've talked with the your brothers and sisters in Christ, you've now found how you can use your talents and your abilities, the gifts that God has given you to, to participate, to help in the coordinate with the local church. Um, now get going. Now use your gifts. Activate your abilities. The evaluation phase that we discussed is a mental exercise, but at some point you have to act. You've got to go. You have to use. You remember the parable of the talents. Matthew chapter 25. Just real quickly, we're going to read verses 15 through 18. And to one, the master gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each one according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. So, in light of what we're talking about here today, having the gifts differing according to the grace that's been given us, let us use those gifts. So the master came to his servants, and he gave them things and expected something to be done. And the one with five went out and, and used those talents for the master's purpose, for the master's good. And the one with two did the same thing. And then there was the person that had the one. And he froze up. And he went and he dug a hole and he stuck it in the ground and just sat back and did whatever it is that he did as a servant. I want you 
to read that at some point in time if you're not familiar with this account and tell me what you think the master thought of that when he came back. Spoiler alert, he called him a wicked and a lazy servant. The one who just took his talent and went and dug a hole in the ground. So this is talking about stewardship of money and finances in particular in this context, but I think we can think about this as it relates to things that God has given us. He's given you gifts. He's given you abilities. And He expects you to be a good steward of those things. He expects you to be a profitable servant. He expects you to use your gifts. You've got to participate. You've got to step up. Each of us has to step up and to use these things, activate them for the glory of God, for the good of the kingdom. So in verse 6, we saw that we have gifts differing. Remember, many parts of the body. We talked about this. Differing gifts, various abilities, if you will. And so when you think of gifts or when you think of the different members of the body, um, what are they? You know, what, what do those abilities and gifts and, and, and functions, what do they look like in your mind's eye? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what I think seems to be the most obvious is people go, yeah, well, on Sunday morning, there's that guy who preaches. And, and there's the dude who leads songs. And there's the, right? It's, it's pretty quick that we, we think of these things. Well, we, we can't forget that gifts that God has given you and me, us, go well beyond that. Well beyond that. There are so many different functions, parts of the body, things that the body needs. And just in context of our passage... The Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to write to the church in Rome and call a few out. Have you thought of these? God did. Holy Spirit did. And so he said, here's some. Uh, I mean, my words, but right here, here's a list. And I don't believe this was meant to be an all um, exhaustive list. Like this is every possible gift that's ever been out there. I think it's trying to get you to, it, it's to whet your appetite. It's to cause you to start to engage your brain and do the thinking. Sober judgment. What does that look like? What do we do? It says that if the one who serves ought to serve, the one who teaches ought to teach, the one who can exhort ought to exhort, the one who should give ought to give liberally, the one who shows mercy with cheerfulness, with compassion, the one who leads, let him lead. Let them lead. And you go like, yeah, that's what elders do. Yes, that's what elders are supposed to do. I pray to God that's what we're doing in accordance with the will of God. But let me tell you, you have the opportunity to lead. I don't care where you are. I don't care who you are. Every one of us. Could you serve? Yeah. I literally see head nod, head nod, head nod, head nod. I mean, just, yes. Can you give? Yes. Has God given you gifts, abilities, these and others? Yes. So don't get stuck going like, that's someone else. I can't do that. What can you do? You can. God gave you gifts. 
Now use them. Participate. Make sure that they're being put, being put to good use for the cause of the kingdom, for the glory of God. Because it's about visiting the sick. It's about making and sharing a meal. It's helping with advertising for the church. It's opening your home to your brothers and sisters and maybe to those who aren't so that you can gain an influence on them for the cause of Christ and on and on. Don't limit God. Use your gifts. He gave them to you and he has an expectation that you will use them. And we think of gifts and abilities. It's almost always our default to immediately think of the extraordinary, right? We think of gifts and abilities and we immediately think of the grandiose things that some people do and the off-the-chart stuff that I read about in a book one time about that one lady. Those may be real stories, but that's not where it starts or ends. So we have to get out of this idea that, um, that the extraordinary is the thing that makes a difference. I'll tell you what makes a difference in your world is the ordinary stuff that you because you love the Lord and you do it for him and for his purpose to bring honor and glory to God. Those impactful and meaningful acts are done like a text when someone needed encouragement, a meal when one was hungry, a cup of cold water when it was hot. And someone was thirsty. It's a prayer that's offered at the exact perfect moment. It's a gentle rebuke when you saw someone was in the wrong and they needed your help. It's serving, it's giving, it's loving. It's saying, God, you've blessed me with gifts and abilities and I'm going to use them. That's what it is. And all of those things make a difference. So unlike, in some ways, if you'll allow me to say it this way, when you evaluate your abilities and you think soberly on how to coordinate them within the body and you know what you can do and the opportunities that you have, and the gifts that you've been given, and you see how they fit, um, for this part of using your gifts, don't overthink it. Literally, do not overthink this part. You know what they are. You know how they fit. Go use them. Period. Put them to use. We started with the right fit. Like, where do I fit? Where's my place? What can I do? And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, the more you engage, the more you evaluate, the more you coordinate, the more you participate, the more you belong, the more you feel family. And the more this family is strengthened to create other members, to, to show them to Christ. So other members come and join us in our work, which is the Lord's work. That's what this is about. The Lord's church. And finding our place. Showing up only is not what God had in mind for you. So if you want to fulfill what the Lord has in mind for you as a part of the body of Christ, you have to plug in and engage. You have to serve. You have to love. You have to find your place. And if you aren't thinking about this at all, start today. And seek out the assistance of your elders, your brothers and sisters, this church family that will support you in that. Make sure as you serve the Lord's church, you're doing this part as part of a body. That you're not just striking out on your own and going rogue and doing your own thing for your glory or just for your benefit. 
But whatever your abilities and your gifts, remember, you do have them. God gave them to you. Make sure you're putting them to use as God expects. So how can the church help you with that? How do we get started on that? Maybe you're in the process of this, or maybe you've been in the process of this for a long time. Let's keep it going. So we identify those things, we figure out how they fit in the local church body in this place, and we go use them for the honor and glory of God. Can we help you with that this morning? We would want to do that. If there's anything the church here can do for you, please come forward or make sure that the elders are aware of your request as we stand and sing. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. For further information about our church, please go to normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com.